The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner. Our traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Tesla getting slammed after the SEC reportedly now looking into the shocking tweets from Elon Musk yesterday about taking his company private. Could Twitter be Tesla's downfall? We'll explain. Plus, it's a crypto crush. Bitcoin sinking after the SEC delayed its decision on another proposed ETF. Is this the final nail in Bitcoin's coffin oh. or will it rise from the dead? Dan Moorhead of Pantera Capital, a top crypto hedge fund manager with us tonight. But first, we start with the group of stocks that just can't stay down. Tech making a Rocky-esque Ooh. comeback after a rough earnings season. As you know, it's the best performing sector of the past week. While Fang is leading the charge, names like Salesforce, NVIDIA, Cisco, and PayPal all joining in on the party. Uh, Guy? Yes, sir. Text back. When did it leave? Well, there was a bit really of a, the point. Was I mean, a, bit it, of a, la a, a lull. It in left that trade. in the form of maybe Facebook, if you want to jam that uh, in there. Netflix, but, you know, you mentioned Netflix, a couple of Netflix and Should we go on? I don't think Netflix is a, I don't think Netflix is a tech stock, but that's an entirely different conversation. You look at Salesforce. I mean, that's a stock at a valuation that that trades in. That stock should have gotten obliterated. It did not. Adobe's another name. Huge valuation. Didn't really sell off that much. So the tech that we look at almost every day sort of hung in there. Oh, but a lot of a lot of the glamour names, in fairness, a lot of the glamour names. Netflix, Tim mentioned, and NVIDIA, a bit of an upset. yes. Facebook. I mean, Intel's had some issues. Facebook's its own animal. But I think tech in general is actually held in there pretty well. So I would push back and say, yeah, there have been some names that have had issues. But tech in general's done pretty well. Jimmy Jameson, lead singer of Survivor. Scott, that's important because we did buy the tire on the way in. And, and there, it might be one of the worst ever. But, but when I think about tech, I think there's been a little rotation. First of all, we've absolutely seen semis fall out of favor. And this was, you know, I, I, and I don't think that the semi story is over, but I think the high multiple, high momentum stocks are an approve me period. And I think, say what you want, but this market has been led by transports, it's been led by industrials, and I would argue that banks healthcare, have put in yes. a good show. Healthcare, healthcare for sure. So, no, Discretionary? I don't, I don't think you chase tech at all costs. I don't think you ever did, but um, valuations seem to matter a little more in this market than they did a month ago. Karen? I, I don't think that. The, I, the earnings have been pretty good. Apple was very good. Great. Amazon, very good. Alphabet, very good. Facebook and Netflix, Microsoft? Netflix not as much. Microsoft, very good. So I, I don't know. They, I don't know why they sold off the little that they did. I don't think that should have happened. I still think even with them here, even with the market up very close to its all-time highs, there's value in some of these tech names. Well, yeah. Google for sure. Yes. And there's plenty of places you can go still in tech if you are looking for value. But also the, there's an area where we kind of go here and there, but they have a little bit higher valuation, which makes them a little scarier. And I bring up something like Amazon, NVIDIA, some of these various names where you look at the valuation levels and you're like, wow, man, that's pretty expensive. But the growth is still there. And because the growth is still there, people are willing to look past the fact that many of these multiples are extremely high. But I agree. I mean, the sell-off in Facebook absolutely did pull down the market for a day or two. That ended. Look, I and think when you go through the numbers, so if nothing else, it, ca story. it caused a, a somewhat deeper conversation on whether value was going to finally, you know, take the place of growth for a while. 
Now we're looking at these tech stocks, as we said. One-week performance, Facebook 8%, Amazon 5, Salesforce 5, NVIDIA 5, Cisco 5, PayPal 4. I mean, I, I could go on, but those are the names I have in front of me, indicative of how these stocks have come back. Uh, uh, to Pete's point, I think, you know, the Facebook apps absolutely rattled some chains, without question. But then you look at these stocks. I mean, you look at stocks, again, that should have gone down in a significant way, given the valuation, given the runs that they've had, and they really haven't done that much. I mean, you can make an argument that Microsoft at 28 times, maybe people look at it and say, that's an expensive stock. Maybe we should take profits. Really didn't happen. And again, Salesforce is another name at 60 times forward earnings. You had every opportunity to sell that stock off. That didn't happen. So Facebook notwithstanding, I don't think, again, my point originally is I don't think tech really ever left. And it's well, a forward-looking market. And when you're looking forward, you look at the forward PEs of a lot of these companies, right? And, and all of a sudden you look at Microsoft, it's not as expensive. I mean, you look at many of these various names and you look at the growth trajectory, trajectory right now in many of these names. It's really there, Scott. I mean, there is actual growth. And those that are really focused on the cloud are crushing it right now. And because of that, I think you have to look. First of all, I never buy anything just because it's value or just because it's growth. Combine them both, that's the stock I think I more impressive to the fact that we're knocking on the door of new highs is the move in healthcare in July. Got hit a little bit today. Discretionary, I think, closed at, an all, at, at a new high today. Financials are, are carrying their sure. weight for the first time in a, in a while again. Those are, have to be viewed as more positive signs for not only getting to these new highs, but exceeding. 100%. We talked about healthcare the last couple of weeks. We actually did a power pitch. That's something we do on the show. I know you host a fast pitch. I've seen it. It's called a fast pitch. Fast money, fast pitch. Just let me in on a little secret. We've only done it for two years. So we did the power pitch a couple weeks ago. We did it on Pfizer drug. And we talked about right after the president went after Pfizer, we actually had a conversation on his desk that said that's going to put in the low for Pfizer for quite some time. You have not seen a, a three- or four-week move in Pfizer drug like you've seen over the last couple weeks in the last six years. Something clearly is going on. Talk about value. I think big cap farm is value. I think the bullseye was on their back. I think it's now off their back. I, I, when I look at this market and I look at where we were in Jan 26 and then the move down and all the volatility in between and how the market is now kind of rallied, I, I think the outperformance of transports, which is probably about 7 percent, of banks, which is probably about 4 percent, of the discretionary, so that, whether it's not necessarily XRT, but individual names in that retail space that have been on fire. And, and most importantly, earnings, I think, gave credence to the argument that those cheap valuations were worth owning. Look at the rails. Look at what happened to the airlines. Look what happened with the banks. I mean, this to me, this is the nice thing about earnings. You get fresh data points on companies that are giving you and reaffirming, and in some cases, beating. That is important to the market. Got some retailers coming up in the in the near in the near term in their earnings as well and as we said discretionary is doing well what are you watching most uh, well just today in discretionary michael coors which is both a beverage and not, a, a clothing not, not company versus our, our final trade last night and those are good numbers and that bodes well for a lot of others in the space we saw dillard's today with really excellent numbers it's really interesting to me though that all of the different industries we're talking about healthcare, which kudos to gee has been on it for a long time healthcare, banks retail transports you know, a lot of times we hear the story of, oh, all the gains are coming from a very, very narrow sector of the market. It's just FANG. And that's not true anymore. So to I don't know that it was ever true. I mean, I realize yeah. that the FANG names actually were a big percentage of the S&P. I fully get all that. But, I mean, the reality is outside of that, Microsoft was doing well. That's not in the FANG. I mean, there's a lot of names. Pfizer, you just mentioned. Right, but I mean, healthcare. if you went a little more broad out, outside of the FANG, you still had six or seven stocks that because were accounting for like 90-some-odd yeah. percent of the S&P's there is that gains. In, but the, the, the names outside of that were also performing. I mean, I think that's the part that gets lost a lot of people. I mean, a great example of that would be Merck 
and Pfizer and a lot of the different drug names what that are out there. That I've, And there's been a real run, although it's pulled back recently, okay. but in the biotech world. What as well. about the notion in, in that particular space of it has a more defensive posture? So the market has been a little more defensive lately. Morgan Stanley was out with a new note today talking about, you know, two of the three legs on the stool um, being knocked out of the market. Now wondering whether Apple's $1 trillion you know, market cap thing was a potential sign of the top, that that was the lights flashing and say, okay, market seems to be a little more defensive lately. Legs, Apple hits. I don't remember exactly what. Okay, I'll pull up the note as you're, as you're talking. Yeah, I'll look at it. The reason One I, of them was the def more defensive uh, posture. Well, uh, look, I, I think Apple was actually doing nothing. I think Apple was actually, until they reported, if anything, it had been slightly defensive, but it really had been kind of a sideways move. And I, I think the earnings told you once again that there was a reason to reaffirm. It was sales. It was, it was services. But I look at some of the other parts of the market that we've wanted to see take hold. Banks transports. And I, I repeat, I think this is where the strength in the market is coming from, because I, I think what Pete's saying is tech's going to continue to do what they do. Right. And, and, and therefore, if we get the broader support, that's what the S&P needs. And with the 10 year now to 3 percent or give or take right there, which people are very comfortable. Look at with, the financials. Uh, and overall, they've had a very good month and obviously started off with earnings. But you're talking about 6 percent for the XLF in the last month or so. That's pretty yeah. impressive. To me, the biggest risk is market have. We're all thinking, oh, they'll work out trade. They'll work it out. Won't be a problem. Doesn't matter that the rhetoric keeps getting ratcheted up. That's the biggest risk, because if they don't work it out, there's a lot of downside, I think, to a lot of different industries. And I think there's some upside if they do work it out. But, but, but we're Karen, just assuming it's all going to be fine. And morning, I'm sort of making that assumption. But with the VIX here, I think it's good to own some puts in your portfolio. I, I think that, that makes a ton of sense. This morning, though, we get an announcement that China slapped another $16 billion uh, worth of uh, $16 billion in tariff as a group, uh, and the market yawned. I mean, because they barely work it out, I think. You think everyone's just accepted these tariffs are really going to happen, and that's going to be the new way the world trade works? Well, I don't. I, I, I'm not sure. And, and I would agree that ultimately the inflationary implications of a 10 percent tariff on the global economy is got a 10 percent hit on equity valuations. I don't think people are thinking about that. But um, I think people are looking at the reality, especially of consumer discretionary and banks and transports. And I don't think they're terribly concerned about tariffs once they've truly done their work. Um, I think a lot of these sectors actually are more, um, you know, more impervious and, and are going to be defensive in that environment. All right. Coming up, Tesla CEO Elon Musk reportedly under fire now from the SEC as it looks into his surprising tweets about the company yesterday. Could Twitter end up being the kryptonite for Mr. Musk? Plus, retail stocks staging a stealth rally ahead of their earnings reports next week. We're just talking about that. Guy Adami says there's one name he thinks could be the big winner there. We are live from Times Square in New York City tonight, and there is much more Fast Money after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
Welcome back to Fast Money. It is time for our earnings whip. Roku and Yelp both soaring after hours. Conference calls underway as we speak. Our Seema Modi is pulling double duty for us tonight. Let's get right to her for what is driving those moves and instant reaction from the street. Seema. All right, Scott, let's start with Roku. Shares rallying on an upbeat earnings report and news that it's expanding access to free streaming entertainment, plus launching a Roku channel for the web. D.A. Davidson says World Cup in June likely contributed to Roku's strong performance. KeyBank says Roku is a very attractive asset given its growing engagement, purpose-built TV operating system, and data. Now, while some analysts say Roku is a good buyout target given the consolidation we're seeing in the media landscape, analysts say it still has plenty of room to grow on its own. Another stock on the move is Yelp. Earnings fueled by strength in advertising. Matthew Thornton of SDRH says Yelp's results are a healthy beat and raise into cautious sentiment. He thinks the stock should rally. Despite ongoing competition from OpenTable, which is owned by Booking Holdings, shares of Yelp up 11% in extended trade. Scott? Seema Modi, thank you so much. Seema back at headquarters covering the earnings uh, reports. All right, let's take Yelp first. That's where Seema ended. What do we think? Well, can I go Roku first? Because that's why I'm sorry. I apologize because I just looked at Roku. You know what? Let's wanted... do Roku first. No, I'm sorry, Scott. I should have Roku anticipated your yell. I, I was sort of doing an alphabetical <laughs> order. That, that's first. just me. Great, great idea. <laughs> you know, a lot of analysts raised their prices in July for Roku. I think three analysts raised their prices, all between sort of 50 and 54. After this quarter, they're going to probably have to raise their prices again. It's a ridiculous comment, I know. But you look at their EBIT margins were ridiculously strong. And their user growth continues to be much better than the street is expected. So if you think it's going to stop here, I don't think it will. There's a big short interest in the name. And I think the stock might have legs. And I think you're going to see people raise their numbers over the next couple of days. Okay. Who else on Roku? Well, I'll tell you, Roku, what's interesting about this company, first of all, they're, they're on 25% of the TVs that are coming out in 4K. Phillips just did a deal with these guys. The digital advertising part of their business means that their metrics are better, their ARPUs are better. And this is a part of the company I think a lot of people don't really understand. So, um, Companies just had a massive move, though. I mean, this is a $30 stock uh, six weeks ago, two months ago. So I don't think you need to touch it here, even though those are great numbers, and it's going to see upgrades. You okay? Can we go to Yelp now? Or I think we should think? go to Yelp now. Maybe Peter Karen have a view <laughs> okay? on Yelp. Okay. Probably I stuff. actually wanted to talk about Roku. Oh, <laughs> see? see? All right, go ahead. No, I just think it's interesting. I mean, clearly, the, the cord-cutting angle, right? It's huge. This stock, I think, I don't know. Do you need to own it if you do find in your portfolio that you have cord-cutting exposure elsewhere? It's kind of interesting. The metrics on it, you know, it's certainly not the a value stock. The growth metrics are pretty phenomenal, but the growth though, right? metrics, exactly. And the, the user growth. The top growth, line growth uh, yeah. are, are phenomenal. That short interest, as Guy mentioned, at over 22%, that's kind of interesting as well. I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by it. Not that I'd buy it right here up so much after earnings, but, you know, this is one I should look at harder because mm -hmm. it, there's something here for sure that even up here... This, that kind of growth is surprising me. They can keep going. Right. Probably time I, to talk about Yelp. No, now. I can get a hint. I can take a hint. <laughs> no, no, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Coming up next. No, sorry. Yelp. Yelp. Could, could we? Yelp. Can we, we, please? Is it okay now? Um, <laughs> look, I think the expectations into these numbers were, were incredibly low. I think the no-term advertising, the no-term commitment of, of the underlying users and, and is not something that changes the game for these guys. The valuation at 20 times is cheap for a reason. I wouldn't chase this number. I'm not so sure about that. I actually think when they beat and they're raising, I think at a 20 times earnings, I think it's very inexpensive. I would never have guessed that Yelp cheap. had that kind of an earnings level in terms of PE that we talk about all the time. I would never have thought it was that low. Actually, I think with the growth they got going forward, this stock actually could continue until it gets somewhere towards about a 25 multiple. 
Okay. Anybody else on you? You know, we play a game on this. You ever play would you that? Uh, would you rather? You oh, well, I, we don't have to play it anymore. We just did. Well, would you rather? You already did. You'd rather eat Roku. I'd rather Roku. Yeah, I would. So we play the game before we play the game. How about the game of what, what would you rather talk about? <laughs> yeah. Roku. <laughs> With All right, coming taste up. Taste of Yelp. Coming up. Some of the biggest retail stocks on deck for earnings next week, and there's one name Guy Adami says is about to break out. It's not Roku or Yelp. He'll give us his fast pitch. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Yeah, that's what Bitcoin hodlers were doing today. But a top crypto hedge fund manager says, hodl on, dudes. Better days are ahead. Plus, regulators reportedly cracking down on Musk and his crazy tweets. Will it finally catch up to the stock? We'll bring you the latest when Fast Money returns. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have a developing story on Tesla. That stock falling on reports the SEC may now be looking into Elon Musk's tweets about taking the company private. Let's go to our Leslie Picker back at headquarters following this story. Leslie. Hey, Scott. Musk's tweet from yesterday about taking Tesla private has now reportedly attracted regulatory attention. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Securities and Exchange Commission has reached out to Tesla and asked whether Musk's plan to take the company private is factual. The journal's story citing people familiar with the matter sent Tesla's shares lower in late afternoon trading. Tesla closed down 2.4% today, pairing a little bit of yesterday's 11% gain. The tweet in focus is the one where Musk said, quote, am considering taking Tesla private at 420, funding secured. That was followed by several more tweets and a memo where he described his plans in more detail. The journal's story said that the SEC also inquired about why the disclosure was first made on Twitter rather than a regulatory filing. The story also said it wasn't immediately clear whether the SEC has opened a formal enforcement investigation. The SEC declined to comment to CNBC. But former SEC Chairman Harvey Pitts was on Squawk Box this morning and said there's enough for regulators to start asking questions. The former president of the NYSC, Tom Farley, recently tweeted to the SEC urging the regulator to ask Tesla for their signed agreements from funding sources by 5 p.m. Eastern time that would demonstrate that the funding is, quote, secured and certain in order to inspire market confidence. Tesla's independent directors put out a statement this morning saying that Musk initiated a discussion with the board about taking the company private. They added that the board has met several times since then and said they are taking the appropriate next steps to evaluate a potential deal, Scott. Leslie, thank you very much. Leslie Picker. All right, yeah. let's, let's trade this. Um, 
this is not a big shock compared, uh, considering what we discussed one night ago. Not a big shock that he's under potential. No, we knew. SEC I mean, you had to figure the SEC was going to look oh, into. It's absurd. The idea the, that the he tweets. hasn't filed any kind of amendment. It's ridiculous. Also, there's going to be shareholder litigation that, you know, they, the company knew this was happening, never disclosed it to shareholders. All that is noise, though. I think even if they end up paying fines, whatever, it's all noise. The question is, is there really a deal to be had? Is there really financing and or equity, debt or equity or both? To get this deal done, I'm shocked at the level or the lack of disclosure. That letter to the employees was okay. That's nice, but a tweet like that—it's absurd that there is not anything more. I'm shocked they didn't file anything today as a 13D amendment. He should have filed it really yesterday. But I don't know who's who's the who is their counsel that's saying the we're good. Board, we're good board, this way. This is know, the way to do it. The that's board put out the statement to today, right? Um, Apparently, this idea came up more than a week ago. Well, who's the board, too? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a board it's that a I think is board. a very, very affiliated <laughs> yes. board. Let's be clear. So, I mean, right. you know, where, where were they? And, and by the way, where was this statement, you know, until oh, I, today? I, I mean, I, I just, you know, the whole thing, um, it's the protocols don't really make a lot of sense. This is a guy who's been so outspoken against shorts. This is a guy who, who takes particular glee in being out there. By the way, I don't know why one would take it so personally. This guy should be laughing both all the way to the bank and all the way to the to the, the ultimate throne of, of innovation. I mean, there's no question that this guy is considered a hero and that this company is very well respected. Why not just leave it alone? Um, by the way, 420. A lot of people were wondering. We've had economy segments tonight on the show. Ridiculous. A lot of people thought that the 420 number was. I think an for you to say choice. where was the board, though. I mean, this is a guy who has always operated outside of the board. He's a guy who just does what he wants to do when he wants to do it, and he's got the stack board. He's got a family member on the board. I mean, if, if you look at all of that. That part doesn't surprise me at all, Scott. Uh, the fact that Harvey Pitt was talking about they're going to look into it, of course they're going to look into this. I think they have to. But the idea that he can't find strategic partners or maybe has found strategic partners yeah. out there, sovereign wealth, whatever it might be, maybe there are discussions with companies here what in the United happens, States as What well. happens, I know this is, sounds crazy, but what happens if next week, you know what, I decided not to do it? Then what happens? You mentioned the he shareholder. You mentioned think, the possibility think, of a shareholder the stock will be lawsuits. Right. The stock he, will be at 280. Yeah, what about all the people who, who, who bought it before I, it was halted? I agree. I mean, that's what about it's dangerous. Them? And, again, the charge is that it could be manipulative. The other but point here's is, the thing, though, that, that he has going for him. I highly doubt he's trading on this. Highly, highly, highly doubt. Absolutely not. No I mean, way, right? So he's certainly not really manipulating dumb. it Be dumber than the tweet. Himself, right? I, so that maybe gives him some cover. Even if he were to say we're working towards a deal, that doesn't make him bound to have to do a deal. But this kind of disclosure, it's so, it's, it's, it's so cryptic. I mean, if, he would have, if he would have simply said, just to throw this yeah. out there, thinking about taking Tesla private, we yep. wouldn't be having this conversation the way we are. Others have talked about the possibility of taking companies private you know, all the time. I, I probably asked the, Carl the, Icahn yeah, about yeah. whether yeah. he would take Herbalife Try and yep. take Herbalife private at one point, it's the but this goes a little funding further. Financing secured, secured or funding That's secured. Funding secured that tells you that there's been definite conversations right. and, and that yeah. there have been formal conversations. And board, if you any of you watch this show, someone has approached your company to make a bid for it to, to take it private. It happens to be your CEO. Obviously, you know all that. You have a duty to your shareholders to tell them what the hell's going on. Yeah. All right. Options traders are betting that despite all the drama, Tesla has more room to run. Let's go to Mike Coe out in San Francisco with that angle. Mike. 
Yeah, so Tesla traded more than two times its average daily options volume. And this is one of the stocks that trades a lot of volume to begin with. That made it the busiest single stock option by a long shot, well over Apple, which was the second place in terms of how much activity we saw. And most of that activity by the end of the day was concentrated in the weekly 380 calls. We saw over 11,000 of those trading for about five and a half dollars. So those are options traders making a bet that the stock will be above 30 uh, 385.50 by the end of the week. And I would make one other quick point here, too, which is that, and Pete can speak to this, when you think there's going to be a deal very frequently, if there's going to be a takeout, the longer dated option premiums will drop because the volatility of a stock that's private is zero. And we did actually see three-month and extended volatility drop a little bit here. So the options market is suggesting that there is some chance that uh, Elon Musk is going to do something here. I was going to go to Guy, but Co said, go to you. Go. What do you got? <laughs> well, I, Mike got? points out something very important because the fact that that shows you that there is some belief in the idea that maybe there is something to this, something to that tweet, because if you see that volatility absolutely collapse in the, in the distance, that's because you're buying time. You're buying time when you're going three months out, four months out, and it's very expensive. You already have volatile options. Now you're paying for the time on those volatile options. It's going to cost you a lot of money if you're going to be out there, and it's nice to see that come back in. That says a lot about what people's perception is of what might happen with Tesla. Although, I mean, would the stock be at 370 today and down by 2.5% if the market really thought this was a high likelihood of happening? Where was it before the tweet? Yeah, well, I, I think I... what was, well, there was the Saudi thing that came out just a little bit before. What was it? I don't know. Which was fairly small. $2 billion. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying, if you yeah. thought it was a high likelihood, wouldn't the stock saying, be up again you're today? Saying, it didn't trade particularly well today. Didn't trade particularly well today. And the trader hat in me says, you know what? We traded up to levels we last saw June 2000, and I think 16 or 17, I forget. Seemingly, it failed. Now you have a potential for a double top. But I push it back and say, this is my opinion. This, this, I think the Saudi investment fund is to Tesla. I said this last night. The way the Fed is to the S&P 500. I'm telling you, I believe there's now a floor in this. Well, I mean, again, I, Mike, I, go, I, by the way, thank you. I need to say what I said. I just think sovereign wealth funds. That's yesterday's news. It doesn't tell me what they're doing tomorrow. And of course, they've made an investment in an EV company. I mean, it's Saudi Arabia. I don't know. 350 is where the stock was before any of this news came out. So it's, it's not that twenty dollars. Big deal. On the, on I, that yeah, I don't. Yeah. All right. Do much uh, our thanks to Mike Co. By the way, more options action. You can check out the full show Friday at five thirty p.m. Eastern time. Guess who's here for that? Uh, you would be. That's it's a right. great time. <laughs> That's right. Gonna watch that. All right. Still ahead. Retail here, here. stocks have been on fire. And Guy Adami. Who else? Huh? Who else says the rally could get even hotter when one name in the space reports earnings next week? He'll give us his fast pitch. Plus. That's the way the crypto crumbles. The space getting crushed today. The SEC postponing its decision for a Bitcoin ETF. One crypto hedge fund manager, though, says a sell-off is the perfect buying opportunity. He'll tell us when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin bulls just had their hopes for a Bitcoin ETF dashed again by the SEC. And with the cryptocurrency now dropping close to 6000 could this be the nail in the coffin for Bitcoin? Bob Pisani is breaking it down from the New York Stock Exchange. Bob. Hello there, Scotty. Another painful day for Bitcoin, dropping 10% or nearly $10 billion in the last 24 hours. Ouch again. The problem here is we're no closer to a Bitcoin ETF. Despite a novel approach to getting around the issue, that bothers the SEC. Overnight, the SEC said they were delaying a decision on the SolidX Bitcoin ETF, which is sponsored by SolidX Management with marketing assistance from VanEck Securities. Now, 
A decision was been put off until September 30th, but don't kid yourself. The SEC is likely not considering anything other than a lengthy brief on why they will deny the ETF at that time, just as they denied the Winklevoss Bitcoin ETF last month. The reason they are likely to deny it, it just doesn't fully address the issues that worry the SEC about Bitcoin. They denied the Winklevoss application on the grounds that most Bitcoin trading occurs outside the United States on unregulated exchanges that are subject to fraud and manipulation. That's a big barrier to overcome. Now, to its credit, the Van Eck application tries to address these issues by putting a hefty $200,000 price tag on the initial entry to join the club, thus scaring away a lot of retail investors. And they also add a layer of insurance to protect investors in the event that the coins are hacked or stolen. But this is not likely to satisfy the SEC. Now, does it really matter if we get a Bitcoin ETF or not? I think it really does matter. I think it matters a lot. This whole summer rally, just take a look at Bitcoin, going from 6,300 to 8,300 in a couple of weeks. That was the middle of July. That was largely based on speculation that a Bitcoin ETF might be approved. No surprise, the recent top in Bitcoin was July 25th. That was the day before the SEC denied the Winklevoss application, and it's been down eight of the last 10 trading days. And look at it, it's right back to where it was before all this speculation started. And Scott, I, the reason I think this is worrisome is that obviously Bitcoin doesn't have a lot of internal energy on its own, and it's depending upon new buyers coming in to move the price up, and that was the big hope behind the ETF. That is, I still think, very doubtful right now. Back right. to you. Yep, Bob, thanks so much. Bob Pisani down at the okay. Stock Exchange. For more, let's bring in Dan Moorhead. He's the CEO of Pantera Capital, one of the world's largest crypto hedge funds, and despite the plunge, he is still betting on Bitcoin. Dan's with us, as you can see, from San Francisco. Dan, welcome. It's good to have you on Fast tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. Back. I'm sure you heard uh, Pisani's report uh, just now. What do you think of the correlation between the ETF trouble and this decline in Bitcoin that we've seen? Oh, I think the main thing to remember is that Bitcoin's like very early stage venture, but it has a real-time price feed. And that's a unique thing. And people get really excited about the price and overreact, I think, to announcements. There's been a couple of big things coming out in the last week, and the ETF rejection is the same story we've had for, you know, five years. I think the SEC has been very um, cautious with uh, an ETF. Right. Well, how much do you think an, an ETF actually matters to the success of Bitcoin, or at the very least, to help write this what seemingly is a listing ship? Oh, yeah, it's all perspective, right? Bitcoin's up 82% year on year, so it's still doing very, very well. Um, and the perspective one should have is, given that Bitcoin is such early stage venture type uh, security or asset, it needs to be um, done as hedge funds first. And Pantera launched the first cryptocurrency product in the U.S. five years ago. We looked at ETFs, we looked at a lot of different products, and we picked hedge fund structure. I still think that's the best way to go, and I think it's going to be quite a long time until an ETF is approved. And here's the, here's the perspective. The last asset class to get approved for ETF certification was copper. And copper's been on Earth for 10,000 years, and it just got approved in 2012 after a very long multi-year process. I think ETFs in Bitcoin still have quite a ways to go. Hey, Dan, it's Tim Seymour. Welcome back. So what does get you excited then? What, what's the next catalyst here? And, and why should it just be about an ETF? Because you've been doing this a long time. You weren't doing it for the ETF. Yeah, so uh, that's what I love about markets is news comes out and some people take things really positively and make a big deal out of them and some people don't. In the last uh, 
three or four business days, we've had two pieces of news. The ETF being rejected for the fifth time, that doesn't seem like it's very interesting to me. But on Friday, the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange, which also owns $42 billion worth of other exchanges, launched a cryptocurrency exchange called Bakht. That is huge news. The other investors, including Pantera or BCG, Microsoft, that is going to be a very profound impact over the next five or 10 years for the markets. And to my mind, that's what people should be focused on. Karen? And it's Karen. Um, there's been a few people who've said 6,000, it's sort of the cost to mine, and that should be some sort of floor. I never quite really fully bought that, but if enough people think 6,000 is the floor, well, then it's the floor. What, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think it's very difficult to ever do those kind of real-world mining, cost of mining kind of calculations. All these are sunk costs. People built these enormous big data centers of, of uh, computer chips that are doing the mining. So I think that's, it's unlikely to have any kind of fixed support there. company might run at a, a loss for six months, hoping that the price is coming back. So I think there, there really isn't uh, a level like in copper where you get below the marginal cost of production, people just stop their minds. Here, I think there isn't some kind of fixed floor like that. And again, Bitcoin was half this price a year ago when it was all working great. So um, the price could go down, but I really do think um, a year from now it'll be much, much higher than it is today. Pete, last word to you. Well, I think right now it's so difficult just to determine, you know, where to be, how to be, you know, and the volumes. When we've seen the volumes come back, Scott, that's actually moved Bitcoin. But that's been one of the things. AMD is the way I've been playing this so All right, far. Dan, thank you very much. Our thanks to Dan Moorhead again thank out you. in San Francisco. We'll see you again soon. I'm sure we will. Can't get enough crypto? Well, we got you covered. You can go to CNBC.com right now for all the latest Bitcoin headlines and the price action. There's the article that's up there as we speak. Still ahead, Guy Adami has strutted his way wow. over to the plasma. What's he wearing? I don't know what that is. That's uncomfortable. He is getting ready to pitch the one retail stock he says is looking good into <laughs> the name and more Guy Adami. Is that a good thing? When Fast Money returns. <laughs> Welcome back to Fast Money. Looks like retail is back in fashion. Names like Tiffany and Macy's, Dillard's, Kohl's, TJ Maxx. All on rallying over the past three months, surging 20% or more. TJ Maxx hitting an all-time high today, in fact. As earnings kick off next week, what do we do? Do we keep on betting on, on retail? Gang, what do we think? Well, I tell you what, I, I think if you think of some of the names you just mentioned, uh, they were favorites a couple years ago at the expense of everybody else. What we've seen over the last, say, month, I should say couple months, um, and really even since Black Friday, is that the discretionary names that were left for dead have proven that not only are they running their businesses better, but that the valuations got so cheap that they actually were interesting. And I think you stay in a lot of those names. I agree. The valuations got really, really cheap, overdone for sure, even though they've rallied a lot. Remember, the whole market's rallied, so the valuations relative to the rest of the market is still attractive. And, if, you know, something like Coors today, that's probably good for Macy's, probably good for where they do wholesale. I like it. Staying long. Okay. Guy. Well, I'm gonna. I mean, I you know, I got some. I got a power pitch coming on. Yes, I mean, I so, you, do. you saw it. You saw it before. I'm almost afraid to see what's coming. Do you want me to walk over there Go now? Ahead, I mean, sashay should I just please? Should I sashay? Yes. I have a request. Please. Could this be a fast pitch? Oh, is, look at that. The fast pitch. And now look. They're walking up. Why is he getting? I have in, to uh, walk. What's this? See the walk? No, because they want me to right walk like. Um, right said Fred. Paul Newman. Right said. But look, this is going to be crazy, and I know people would be like, "You're out of your mind. How are you going to pitch a retail?" But you know what? I'm going to pitch Nordstrom's. And why is that? Last quarter, the stock got obliterated on earnings. But if you look closely, 
It really wasn't an earnings thing. It was a comps thing. The comps were miserable, but they beat on the top line and they beat on the bottom line. Valuation, all right, 14 times forward earnings. You could say it's expensive, but it's not ridiculous when you look at the rest of the space. 12% short interest. We've seen what happened to big short interest stock over the last six months. I would suggest 12% is significant. And the last one, improving margins. And how do I get there? I'll tell you how. Last quarter, inventories were down 1.9%, down 1.9%, and you had sales growth of 5.8%. Suggests to me that you're going to see a much better margin number this quarter. With everything shaping up, if you look, the stock came back from last quarter. It's bumping up against these levels that we've last seen over the last six months. I think, like some of these retail names, it sets up for a breakout to the upside. And I'll mention this. Dana Telsey, who is the axe in the space, they just raised their price target in the name. So I think Nordstrom's has a real chance here to surprise people on the upside. All right. How about questions for Guy? Who has I, one? I got a quick one for Go you, Guy. Petey. So here's my question for you. TJX, Scott was just talking about the fact that it hit 52-week highs today, right? Or all-time highs. Is this something you'd ever compare to a Nordstrom's because of the fact that they've got the discount, they've got Nordstrom Rack, and that's where they're seeing so much growth right now? Yeah, and you make a great point. I'll tell you right now. Sales growth, uh, digital sales last quarter were 29%. Digital growth the same quarter the prior year was 25%. So you're starting to see them do much better digitally. You've talked about it as well, Pete. The Nordstrom stories has changed. Now, look, they had their investor day a month ago, and it didn't overwhelm people. But the stock is held in there. So I think the setup is such that it could surprise, and that's why I'm saying Nordstrom's is my power hey, guy, pitch. Guy, yes, Tim. Yeah, um, quick question. Was that Blue Steel? And, in fact, with the tie, the wrap around the head, and, and if so, do you think you have more blue steel than Derek Zoolander? I mean, that's the easiest question you've ever asked me. I mean, first <laughs> of all, Blue Steel, the movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, must watch. Talked about commodities trading number one. Blue Steel with the Gucci guy that mentioned, Sand Sandler or Stiller. Yeah. They asked me to do it. Sandler. I turned it down. They gave it ben to him. Stiller. But my Stiller <laughs> was much better Derek than his Stiller. Zoolander. <laughs> blue Steel. Vote. All right. What are we doing on the fast pitch? Which way are we Karen, going? Karen, let's go Start you with first. Karen. I'm really not an artist. The other guys are, but I'm buying with guys. I like it. Love the sachet too. After nice you put work. your fingernails on the chalkboard again, I mean, can, you, can you reveal? Your, I mean, oh, well, what first was of all, that? I don't know why we were given chalkboards, and I was given a marker to write it up. But that's a yes. I'm a buyer. I actually think JWM massively has lagged the department right? stores. Like, <laughs> I like that was like nails that on the board. That was painful. Yeah, but, but nice job. I think it is all about the rack, and I think Guy points that out. When you're competing with TJ Maxx, Burlington, and all the rest of them, Ross, they're doing a great job over there with Nordstrom's. Giddy up. It's a lot of words on there. I appreciate that. Of, you know, I wanted to make it's sure it's hard it to read, but, you know. 14 P the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I like cool. it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Wow. Nice pitch, Guy. <laughs> Thank you, Petey. Buys all the way around. Yep. Giddy up. County, what about you? Did it make you want to buy the stock? You can vote. In our Twitter poll, CNBC Fast Money, we're going to reveal the results later on in the show. Plus, the California wildfires are blazing across that state. Could disrupt a growing industry as well. Hot. We've got those details coming up live at the NASDAQ, right in the heart of New York City. More fast in two minutes. Welcome back to Fast Money. The raging wildfire in California, now the largest in the state history, still growing as well. So what could it mean for the cannabis industry? Our Aditi Roy live in Ukiah, uh, California, with that developing story. Aditi? 
Hi there, that's right. Firefighters here at the command center for the Mendocino Complex fire are desperate to get ahead of these flames. Right now, more than 23,000 people have been evacuated. Among them are some cannabis growers. The Mendocino Complex fire is now raging across more than 300,000 acres. Mendocino is one of the three counties affected by this particular blaze, and it's also part of the so-called Emerald Triangle, the pot-growing capital of California. Cannabis farmers are used to the threat of wildfires. Last year, some of the state's cannabis crop was destroyed during the wine country fires. We met up that last year with a Sonoma County cannabis farmer who lost all of his crop and also a cannabis company called Canacraft, which also lost a lot of inventory during the Northern California wildfires. It happened right before the harvest. It's virtually impossible to track how many cannabis growers are affected by the current fire, given that not all of them are licensed. Even a lot of the licensed ones are hesitant to come forward. But industry insiders I've talked to say because the fire is traveling eastward, where you don't see as many marijuana crops, it seems that these fires won't have a mass effect on the statewide supply of legal weed. For those of the uh, growers who may have lost crops, they face an additional challenge. A lot of them don't have insurance. And because of that, when their crops do burn down, they face the additional threat of going out of business altogether. Back to you guys. Aditi, thank you so much for the very latest there. Uh, for more on this, let's bring in a man who was born to work in this industry, Smoke Wallen, with Vertical <laughs> Companies, a major pot player in California. It's good to have you on. Um, your reaction, first and foremost, when you see the kind of pictures that Aditi was showing us and the story that she's telling. Tragic. I mean, it, those fires are awful for everyone involved. Um, and our, our thoughts go out to all the people that are in that area. Um, it doesn't affect us very much. We're, we have a massive indoor operation, and our operations are out in Santa Barbara County. But and it may affect the price of flour potentially, but um, you know you, you do the best you can to mitigate this kind of situation. But you know, I came from the wine and spirits industry, and there's been wine growing in California for a long time, and they seem to uh, you know work their way through it. You want to just remind people who don't know exactly what your business does as it relates to marijuana? Absolutely. So Vertical is a is a seed to sale, seed to shelf company. We cultivate, extract, manufacture uh, edibles, vapes, all the all the different uh, product categories beverages and have full distribution and sales. Uh, we're one of the largest uh, scale operators in the country. And uh, we're, we're mainly California, but we have operations in several other states as well. And you're looking to go public at some point, correct? At some point down the road. Right now, we're building our business. And you know, we're focused on executing our plan. And we're operators. And not uh, you know, there's other guys out there that are kind of buying up assets and are kind of more portfolio plays. We're an execution company. We're focused on building a scale business. I mean, this is the biggest growth opportunity of any category I can remember in my lifetime. And I, I'll go back to prohibition and the repeal of, of the alcohol prohibition that happened in 1933. I mean, this is an industry that could be a, as big as the current alcohol business, which in the U.S. is $260 billion at retail sales. Right, and so Smoke, that, that's what's fascinating here because I think we, we tend to focus on production, and this is an awful you know, fire story in terms of production, but to me, this is a consumer product story. And CPG as a, as a sector and as a way to, a folk, to focus investments for investors, I mean, what's happening? Who's carving out brands? Because I, I think brands matter in cannabis, and I actually think that people underestimate the impact in the same way that the alcohol and beverage companies are doing this the way the cannabis companies are. You're exactly right, and that's how we think about it. Brands are, are the key to everything, and we have large-scale production so that we can fulfill the needs of our brands. You know, you can't make a brand unless you can fulfill it and you can deliver the same brand experience each time for a consumer, right? So 
we're building all that back-end infrastructure so that we can build brands. We have about 25 brands, some of which are ours, some of which are partner brands that were at different stages of launching uh, in the California market. And, you know, let's face it, brands are built in, you know, a couple places. The coast, you know, California, Southern California is as good a place as you could imagine to build sure. brands. And then we'll take those brands, the recipes, the packaging, and license them and put them out in all the other markets that are, that are available, which we're up to 30 uh, states that now have legal, some form of legal cannabis. Smoke, a few weeks ago we saw a big raise for a company, I think it's called Acreage, gave them a certain valuation. Why do you think that your story is more interesting at this point? Well, I think those guys are doing a nice job, and, and I, I'm not going to say anything bad about them, but I think ours, again, is an execution play. Um, for, in 13 states, those guys ha hit a certain number next year, and we're, we're, we're of similar scale, but we can hit it all in California. So it's really about a scale operation. Um, and look, the capital is starting to, it's chasing this, right? You see the valuations in the Canadian market. Um, it's because there's limited options for people to invest in this market, in the U.S. market, where, which, you know, is a, arguably going to be a $100 billion plus market, you know, in, in a few years' time. Uh, so we're seeing new, new capital inflows into the space. And, um, you know, those guys are, are you know, I, I, my hat's off to, to Kevin and the team for raising that kind of capital. And, you know, we're, they paved the way for us. So we're doing similar things. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks, Spoke Wallen. Let's trade it. Timmy? Well, I'll tell you what. None of the cannabis names that trade in Canada are cheap. And, and so when we talk about this sector, one, we want to give people some sense that you should be buying global production stories and the guys that have a, a mover, a first mover advantage. But this is a, a biopharma story. We've obviously seen this with Epibiodelics, and we've seen this with some of the other names that have been carved out. We're getting FDA approval. So that's what I would encourage investors to do. Put a basket together. Get yourself exposure to the entire sector, because frankly, I think the value Valuations aren't what's interesting. I think it's the prospect of the opportunity. All right. Anybody else? Well, quickly, you saw Constellation Brands just made an, uh, made an investment in the space. You saw Molson Coors awesome. over the last couple of weeks. And if you don't think big cap farmers are going to get into soon, you're mistaken. So Tim mentioned it. This disrupts a number of different industries. And whether you like it or not, it's coming. And, the, and I think the federal, which a lot of people thought were a couple years away, is probably closer to 12 months away. From and I think those are the best ways to play it is to get out on the periphery. And if you get something like a Scott's Miracle Grow or you get something in Constellation, you're getting a piece of that. But you've also got solid businesses that you know right now are going to be the backbone of what you're investing in, Scott. But you, then you've got the kicker on the outside of that with the cannabis side. All right. We'll step away other side. We'll come back. We'll do final trades. Okay, uh, forget about the vote on guys pitch for Nordstrom. That was a loser. Whoa. Hey, loser. And you said it with such glee. Yeah, you came right at <laughs> no, you. Sorry. Don't worry. Tell uh, me we'll vote on this, though. Who does a better blue steel, Ben Stiller or Guy Adami? Me. Look at that. Exactly. Scott, wow. what do you say? Come on, That's Scott. pretty similar. Or the other one that he panic. mentioned. Right? I mean, he was just throwing yeah. out a bunch of different actors. Okay, time for the final trade. We'll go around the horn. Pete. I own stock. I own calls. I actually believe in this big time, obviously. Celgene. It's going higher. Giddy up. Timmy. I tell you what, you know, Ben Stiller's got someone chasing him down. It might be Guy Adami. Could be Adam Sandler. Right? Whatever. I mean, he was the Ali other star. <laughs> Alibaba. That's been chased down. I think there's a lot of value Darren? there. Baba. Yeah. In Darren? The, some retail's cheap space still. Put Lucker. Okay. Guy? Giddy up on that, Nordstrom's. I don't care what the Twitter <laughs> poll says. <laughs> All right, good really? stuff. Guys, thank you. Thanks for watching. Mad Money with Kramer begins now. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, 
the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.